You are listening to a true gospel perspective from our Macedonia Baptist Church ministerial staff. We pray that this message will be a true blessing to you. It's good to be here. I don't know about you, but Sunday ain't the same when you're not in the house of the Lord. Do I have a witness in here? Yeah. We may have had a long week. We had some ups and downs. But thanks be to God that we made it one more time to this house, which is called by his holy name. Amen. I want to thank the executive board for allowing me this privilege and opportunity to come and share a few scattered remarks. And I'm gonna say a few things and I'm gonna sit down. Amen. I wanna draw your attention to the epistle of James. James chapter two. And I'll be reading from the new King James Version. Amen. James chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse. We're going to read a few verses in your hearing, but we invite your attention in your study to review verses 14 through 26 of the second chapter of James. James chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse. And it reads, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Yes, you believe that there is one God and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And for a few moments, I'm going to share with us from this thought the proof of faith. The proof of faith. I heard a story some time ago about a small farming community that was in a foreign land. And this 
farming community was experiencing a serious drought. The crops were drying up. The fields were not producing and yielding what was expected. Everyone was worried because this is how they made their living. So what they did, they called a local pastor who was known for getting a prayer through to God for rain. So this pastor had agreed to come and help them, and, and he said, listen, what we need to do is call a special service. But here's what my requirements are. One, everybody has to show up. Two, everybody has to come believing that God will make it rain. And so the day came. The day came and for this special prayer service and the church was literally packed out. Everybody from this small farming community has showed up with eagerness and anticipation. You could feel the tension in the air as, as people were drawn in and focused on the Lord making it rain. It was hot, but there was expectation. People were optimistic about what God was going to do. So the pastor rose up. As he approached the pulpit, everybody hung on his every word. He said that God is good. The crowd responded and said, yes, he's good. He said that God will make a way out of no way. They said, yes, God will make a way out of no way. He said, do you believe it right now? They said, yes, we believe it right now. And as the pastor was talking, he noticed that there was this little girl in the front row. And, and, and so the pastor asked him again, listen, do you believe that it's going to rain? Do you believe that God is going to make it rain? They said, yes, pastor. We believe that God is going to make it rain. And the pastor said to them, then why is it this, on, this little girl is the only one with an umbrella? And the sad truth of the matter is that we are like those people. We are like those people who have come into the Lord's house, coming with an expectation, but yet we don't have no works behind what we say we believe. Do I have a witness in here? It's, it's funny that we say we believe something, yes, but then we ought to be able to show something. Absolutely. It, it's, it's unfortunate that too many of us are satisfied with having an expression of faith and not actually exercising our faith. That's right. there's, there, there's more to faith than what we say we believe. There has to be some proof of our faith. Now, here it is. It's August 1st, 2021. Think about it. Pastor Twyman 
has called this church back together in the second Sunday of October of 2020. The sad reality is this, that many of us have not returned for whatever reason, for whatever excuse that you can render. Look what God has done in that period of time. God has allowed three vaccines to come forth, and some of us won't even get a shot. You don't hear me in here. You, you, it's amazing to me, Pastor, how some people can say that I believe in God and I have faith in God, and yet when still, when God makes a way out of nowhere, you refuse to take the way in which he has given. It's amazing to me that the world is looking at the church right now. It's a shame that when somebody drives past or walks past a church that is closed, you know what that says to them? It says to them that we don't believe what we say we believe. It's amazing to me how we could go to Shane Park. We could go to Shane Park and pack out Shane Park and won't come back to the church. Something is wrong here, brothers and sisters, that when you can't come back to the Lord's house because of fear, something is wrong. I'm here to preach to you today. It ain't going to be no sugar in this one. Think about it. We could go everywhere that we want to go. Your job has gave you a mandate that as of April 1st, you got to come back to work or else. That didn't stop some of us from going back to work. But soon as Sunday come, we allow Satan, we allow Satan to creep in and to give us an excuse where you could just stay at home and do live stream. No, you can't. Because let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says that we shouldn't forsake the assembly of ourselves. Don't you know, church, that we got work to do? That this world is crying out for hope. And their only hope that they can have is through Jesus Christ. But how can they hear if we don't come and tell them? I'm just saying. We say that we're saved. We say that we have faith. Well, let me ask you this. How do people know? How do people know that you are a Christian? Is it by the size of your Bible? Is it by the cross that hangs on your neck? Is it by the fact that when you, when somebody call you, you answer the phone, praise the Lord? Or is it when somebody walk up to you and they say, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. How do people know that you are a believer? How do people know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection? What evidence 
is in your life. You know, because here's the thing. You don't have to talk about it. You should be about it. I don't have to tell nobody who I am. All they have to do is listen to me for a few moments, and they'll get who I am. I hope that's the same with you. But the reality is, church, that we are missing an opportunity to take advantage of what the Lord is doing. And if you don't understand what God is doing, listen, let me tell you, this pandemic may not go anywhere. This pandemic may not go anywhere anytime soon. So does that mean that we rest on our laurels? And if you don't know what laurels mean, meet me in the parking lot and I'll tell you. Do we rest and sit at home and with pancakes watching worship on the screen? Listen, let me be very clear. There are some of us who have real health issues that are older and we understand, but it's those of us that's in my age group. You just sitting at home satisfied. Don't you know that's where Satan wants you to be right now? Look at the satanic influences that's taking place. Every day we are inundated by the media about this pandemic and how unsafe things are. Listen, Pastor Twyman told us a long time ago that faith and facts go hand in hand. If you feel scared, put on the mask. Wash your hands. Do some social distancing. But one thing that you need to do is come back to church. God has blessed us too much. It ain't about a stimulus check. It ain't about unemployment. It's about his grace and his mercy. And God has been good to all of us. How dare we sit at home? How dare we just do nothing when the world is dying around us? Kids are getting killed every single day. Families are broken, and yet and still, we stay away from the church. We got to stop playing with God. God has an expectation of all of us that we got to show ourselves to be true to who we say we are. It's too much. It's too much at stake. For us to be comfortable. God has never called anybody to be comfortable. But he did call us to be conformed. And the only way that we can be conformed to the image of his son is by the trials and tribulations that we go through. Who told you that this life would be easy? Who told you that you was going to be on easy street? Who told you that, that, that listen, you're the best thing ever? You are the best thing ever in the sight of God, but that doesn't make us immune from the issues of life. Amen. The songwriter said, get right, church, and let's go home. We got to get right, church. We got to take advantage of what the opportunity is. Preacher, what's the opportunity? The opportunity is for us to witness to people. Don't you know that people are losing hope day by day? 
People don't have nothing to look forward to. There's nothing but death and destruction in our streets. And yet and still, here we are, comfortable and relaxed. Well, James, in fact, Pastor James, got some words for us. Pastor James, who is the leader of the church in Jerusalem, is writing to some Jewish Christians. And, and, and he's writing to them and, 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 and letting them know how the testing of our faith is the reality of the life that we live. And all throughout these first two chapters of the epistle of James, you will find the word faith mentioned 14 times. When you see a word being repeated over and over, it ought to catch your attention. He's writing it for a reason. So let's take an examination of what James is talking about as it relates to our proof of faith. There are two things that James is going to, to, to have us to question. Number one, James is going to allow us to see that there are three types of people in the church that exist even today. There's those who have intellectual faith. There are those who have divided faith. And there are those who have emotional faith. The second thing that James is going to show us is that he's going to give us some key elements that you and I are going to need in order to show the proof or the evidence of our faith. Look at what James says. And, and this is my thesis for you. And I want you to hear this main point. The proof of our faith must go beyond what we say but it has to be shown in what we do to the glory of God. Amen. You can't just talk about it, but you really have to be about it. So James says in the 14th verse, what does it profit? What gain is there? What advantage is there? If my brethren, and he's identifying those who are making up the household of faith. Yes, sir. Specifically, he says, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? Another way to say that, can that kind of faith save him? Now, within when James talks about this, and based on this appearance, it appears as though that he is contradicting what the Apostle Paul has said in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at the 8th verse. Paul says that, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What Paul is saying here is that salvation is only made possible through God's grace that we are saved, that if we believe by faith, right? There's nothing that you and I can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift of God that he gives freely to all of us. And what is that gift? That gift is Jesus Christ. 
through his death, burial, and resurrection. If you believe that God had raised him on the third day, the Bible says that you shall be saved. It's a difference from working for salvation and working from salvation. It's a distinct difference. You know that all of our righteousness before God is nothing but filthy rags. We can't earn salvation. We can't pay enough for what Christ had done for us on the cross. And in light of that, in light of that, we have a responsibility to live out our faith. We ought to have some proof in our lives that demonstrates to not only to ourselves, but those who are watching. And trust me when I tell you, somebody is watching you. We have a responsibility to show our faith in what we do. Now, I want you to think about this. When it comes to the proof of faith, James goes on to give us an illustration of what he's talking about. So starting in the 15th verse, he said, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, that means that, you know what? A part of the evidence of my faith means that I will always keep my eyes open for the needs of somebody else. It's not all about what I say, but it's the evidence of what I do. In other words, that we need one another. And too many times, you know what? If we don't come together and assemble ourselves, how can we meet each other's needs? And, 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 and this is an intellectual thing. See, there's a such thing as people knowing about God. You can know about God. You could quote 8 million scriptures if you want to. But just because you know doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to believe in what you know. There's a difference. I can know something, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to do something. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? That as Christians, not only should we know about God, but we ought to do something about what we know about God. Hasn't God been good to you? Hasn't he made a way out of no way for you? Didn't he open some doors that were slammed in your face? Then what do you think you owe God right now? You owe him everything. Not only is there an intellectual faith, but then there's also a dividing faith. James identifies in verse 18, where he goes on to say, but someone will say that you have faith and I have works. That's a dividing type of faith. In other words, this type of person is focused on what they do. They are busy about doing a bunch of activities. And they're not doing it for the glory of God, but they're doing it for the recognition of self. You know the person I'm talking about. They got to be on every ministry. They got to be on every program. And if the pastor don't mention their name, they fall out and they pack up their marbles and go home. Do, do I have a witness in here? 
this type of person is focused on what they're doing as opposed to what the Lord is doing in their lives. Because when you know him for yourself, you don't need anybody else. You just need to know what the Lord wants you to carry out in your life. Let me ask you a question. How many of us are operating in our spiritual gifts? In fact, let's take that back. How many of us even know what our spiritual gift or gifts are? Don't you know that God has given each and every one of us a gift or gifts that's to be used to edify the body of Christ? God didn't save you to sit and be comfortable on the pew, but he saved us to get to work. No, I'm not going to get too many amens on that. It's all right. How does James respond to somebody with this type of attitude and disposition? Well, he says this, show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, I don't have to be on program. I'm just going to do what I got to do. I don't have to have my name called. I'm just going to do what I have to do, right? Too many times we look for recognition from people when we really should be working from the recognition of God. I tell you that faith goes hand in hand with works. So let me unpack this. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. There was an old Scottishman who operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers. One day, a passenger noticed that the old man had carved in one oar the word faith. Yes, sir. And then he noticed on the other oar the word works. So curiously, the young man asked the, the, the older man, like, listen, what's the meaning of this? So what the old man did was he, he, he talked about being a well-balanced Christian. So what he did was, he said, listen, let me show you what I mean. So he took the boat out, and he took the oar with faith, and he brought the oar with works in the boat. So he began to row with just the oar of faith. And before long, he was just going in a circle. And then he took the oar with faith on it and brought it in the boat, and he put the oar with works on it and put it in the water. And he began to row with just works. And then he began to continue to go in a circle. But when he put both oars in of faith and works, he was able to move through the water in any direction that he wanted to go in. Let me tell us something right now. That if you think that you're going to make your way through this life without faith, without faith and works, you are fooling yourself. You need both. That's the evidence of our faith. It's by what we do, not by what we say. I could say that I'm the president of the United States. That don't mean that I am. I don't have no secret service. I can't get on Air Force One. 
right? It ought to be some evidence to who we say we are. Do I have a witness in here? So here it is. James goes on in verse 19, say, yeah, that you believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about what James is saying here. He's like, okay, it's cool that you believe in God. It's cool that you say that you believe in God. But what makes you different than the demons? Because they realize that too. Think about Jesus and every time he was confronted or he came in contact with some demons throughout his ministry. One thing that we know about those demons, especially in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, when Jesus met the man who was possessed with two demons. You remember that, don't you? He was coming out the tombs and the demons cried out. Jesus ain't say a word. The demons cried out saying, listen, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Even demons recognize who Jesus is. But what makes us different is that we go beyond recognizing and we go into the reality of who he is. Why? Because our lives is supposed to reflect his. God expects for you and I to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't rest. He didn't stay away from his ministry. He embraced his ministry and he got to work. What's your excuse? What excuse do you have right now for those of you who are watching this on live stream? What excuse do you have right now? What more does God have to do for you in order to make you realize that he has your back? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, if you crossed over to 2021, that's enough right there. If you got food on your table, that's enough right there. If you got clothes on your back, that's enough right there. If you got a piece of job to go to, that's enough right there. If you in your right mind and you know your name, that's enough right there. It's time out, church, for the excuses. I'm so glad to see the mass choir back. Amen. I'm so glad to see that you walk by faith. And the evidence of your faith is your presence. Don't miss that. Remember our pastor talks about a ministry of presence? That sometimes you don't have to say nothing. You could just show up and pray quietly. Don't you think the same applies for all of us? Every single one of us ought to have a ministry of presence. And the best place to have your presence is here in the sanctuary. Do I have a witness? So, let me close this out. Let me close this out. I want you to notice how James uses the example of Abraham and Rahab. Let's talk about Abraham for a moment. You know that Abraham was 99 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 years old before the son of promise showed up. 
we know that God had promised him that he would have his own son. And that son will what? Carry out his seed. So here it is. That God was testing Abraham's faith. And, and, and you know what? How Abraham responded? He didn't, when God had told him that I want you to take Isaac, your son, the son that you love. I want you to take him to the land of Moriah and the mountain that I'm going to tell you to go to, I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. What did Abraham do? As soon as he possibly could, before the day had break, he committed himself to action. Well, what action did he do, preacher? Well, first of all, he got his servants. He got a donkey. He split wood in preparation for the offering, and he grabbed his son. But then there's something else that I want us to always realize, that every day that we walk with God, don't you understand and know that we ought to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our what? Reasonable service. And you can't give reasonable service if you are comfortable at home. The second thing that Abraham did, the second thing he did was the words that he shared with his servants that testified to his faith in God. He told his two servants to stay with the donkey. You know, the lad and I are going to go up and worship. Did you hear what I said? He said that him and his son were going up yonder to worship. Listen, you can't go up yonder if you're stuck at home. Somebody hear me in here. You can't go up yonder. Don't you know we go up to worship and we come down to serve? No, y'all didn't hear me. Listen what he says. He told the two young men to watch the donkey and we will come back to you. Did you hear what he said? Now God had told him that I want you to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. But Abraham had such faith that he carried out God's instructions. In fact, he traveled three days. And that had to be heavy on his heart, D. That I got to sacrifice my son. But he had enough faith to say to the servants, we will come back. How many of us have that same type of faith. How many of us can say right now that we will come back? Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 gives us more insight into Abraham's thinking and resolve. Listen, it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offering up Isaac, and, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. If God can give it to you, and if God take it away from you, don't you know that God can replace it? 
That's the type of God that we serve. The God that we serve meets all of our needs. He's not only our protector, but he's our provider. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, y'all don't hear me in here. Let me give you another one. See, the proof of our faith is our commitment to carry out what God has called us to do without hesitation or delay. Look at Rahab. You know, one thing interesting about Rahab, she didn't allow her occupation as a harlot to distract from her opportunity. Hear what I just said. Rahab did not allow her occupation to afford her to miss out on her opportunity. Listen, you ain't who you always used to be. At least I hope so. Am I right about it? After you've been regenerated, there ought to be a change in you. There ought to be something different about us. There ought to be something in the way that we talk, in the way that we walk. And when I say walk, I'm talking about the way that we live. Is there a change in you today? Because that change that's in you will cause you to move beyond what you say and focus on what you are supposed to do. Rahab, she hid two spies at her own, her own, she lied to her own countrymen. And and she put herself and her entire family at risk. So preacher, why did she do it? Well, she says to the two spies, for we heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea for you. Let me remind us something, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And listen, let me tell you something. It's something different in receiving the word in the sanctuary than it is receiving the word over your phone. Oh, I'm going to get on out the way. Because here's what it is. Satan wants you to stay at home. Satan wants you to stay away from the church. Satan does not want you to give glory to God. So you know what he does? He offers you up every excuse possible. The CDC did say there's another variant out, so I shouldn't go out. But yet you could tiptoe over your man's house. Yeah, I just said that. And, and, and brothers, you could tip over over her house. You could creep, 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 but you can't make your way back to the house of the Lord. Are you kidding me right now? We could go everywhere else, but his house, which is called by his name. What are you afraid of? Don't you know that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind? I don't know if you heard about the news. The news is now reporting that there's a new Delta variant. It's a Delta variant that's running through our country. The CDC is now amending its guidelines. But you know what's interesting, Pastor, is the fact that they're naming these variants according to the Greek alphabet. And I thought about that for a moment that they use Delta and there's now even Lambda out. 
But as I thought about that in my sanctified mind, there's only two letters of the Greek alphabet that I'm concerned about. It's Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Don't you know that Jesus came down through 40 and two generations? He gave sight to the blind. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And Jesus himself hung on an old rugged cross. He locked his head in his shoulders. Jesus died on that cross. He was buried in the borrowed tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And he declared that all the power that's in his hand, all the power that's in his hand can give us the proof of We hope you enjoyed this message today, and we pray that it was a true blessing to you. If you are interested in learning more about Pastor Charles D. Twyman and the Macedonia Baptist Church family, you can reach out to us at www.mbcdet.com. Thank you, and God bless you.